Welcome to AO On Air. This is a podcast from ActiveOps, allowing us to present you topics ranging from operations management, leadership, technology, and new innovations. Check out all our episodes on YouTube channel AOTV or with your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple or Spotify. Now let's begin. Hello and welcome to AOTV. My name is Michael Cups, and we're having another episode of AO On Air, which is a podcast from ActiveOps. I've got two guests today, one in studio and one remote, and it's going to be a good topic. But let's start by introducing you to those, those two people. Mark, I'd like to welcome you on the podcast and could you introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks very much. My name is Mark Alpern, and I've been a contact center practitioner, management consultant, and software developer for over 20 years. As a contact center executive, I've led domestic in-house operations and global business process outsourcers with responsibility for thousands of agents. And for the past 10 years, I've been a management consultant to industry focused on front and back office transformation. And you can appreciate that with such large organizations, they routinely struggle with uh, attrition. And uh, part of my responsibility has been to help them overcome some of the challenges and the risk associated with high agent attrition. Excellent. Well, welcome. Great, great to have you on the on this episode. And Santosh, people may remember you from a previous podcast, but go ahead and give a quick introduction. Well, it's good to be back here in Dallas again, and good to be back in the studio again with you, uh, Michael, um, uh, and and uh, take the chair with uh, with Mark. So um, while we get back on air, and I, I know I've introduced myself in the past. So my name is Santosh, and I head operations for ActiveOps in North America. I've lived and breathed operations throughout my life. Um, coincidentally, yesterday I finished 13 years in active ops and I begin my 14th today. Wow. Um, today. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So yesterday was the, the first time I set foot into active ops, uh, could say 14 years ago. Um, and, uh, my, my, um, our team is responsible for, uh, implementing the, um, the applications that we take to our customers. So we implement the goodness, which is the implementation services and delivery team. And then after we've done that, I'm, uh, our team is also responsible for relationship management and customer success. Excellent. Well, great to see you again. Great to have you here in Dallas with us. So today's topic uh, to the to the audience is about attrition, which is a, a it's a fascinating topic because it, it accelerated after the pandemic. And when we talk about these workforce groups that Mark mentioned or Santosh mentioned, is that you know they have to deal with it, it whether it's it, you know it's to, it, whether it's to minimize attrition or if it does happen, how to deal with that, whether you're doing more with less while you train more resources, et cetera. So Santosh, I wanted to start with you. I mean, there's there's a lot of trends out there. We've heard the great resignation, the great reshuffle, the great whatever. Uh, and I was wondering if you had some statistics or stats about what's going on in the workforce. Yep. So, um, I mean, we call it the great resignation. I think it's since transition and I've read about it being now called the great reshuffle, the great, uh, the great attrition. Um, uh, and I think more recently, the great reevaluation. Yep. But simply put, um, I think people are more keener than ever to look elsewhere. They're looking elsewhere for flexibility, a better work culture, their own well-being. Um, and of course, there's the element of pay, pay and pay rise and all of that stuff. Now, the, the great resignation is barely over. And then the, this trend of quiet quitting sort of started to seep its way in. And then you've, of course, got all the layoffs that we've heard about yep. in the news. Yep. So. Everything said and done, people are leaving the workplace. Now, there was an early prediction um, that the U.S. employee voluntary turnover for 2022 will be around 20%. Wow. Um, now, 
If you look at it from a pre-pandemic average of about 31.9 million employees, I think quitting their jobs, uh, 37.4 million actually quit their jobs. So it's a wow. lot higher. Now, with a minimum of, of about 5.43% and a maximum of about 16 plus percent, I think the employee turnover rate across all industries for 2022 sort of averaged about 9.31%, wow. according to this website called Procedure.com. Now, let's look at two people-intensive sectors. Yeah. And I've, my first one is banking and insurance. It employs just in the US about 6 million people. And uh, the, number, the year 2022 was in fact a true great resignation for them. Now, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I think that the turnover rate for them was 26.3%. Oh, wow. Now, within the healthcare, my next people in industry is, is of course the healthcare industry. They had... Uh, an estimated loss of about 20% of, of their workforce. Goodness, yeah. Now, that's a, that's a big number. That means nearly about 1.7 million people have quit healthcare jobs as per the US Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now, that's the numbers of quitting. Now, in terms of uh, hiring, now, most of the time, the pace of hiring pretty much mirrors yeah. the pace of people leaving. Now, and that on average is about three times. Mm. Um, now, that creates significant pressure on operations its efficiencies, its productivity, its training time, its cost. So there's, there's, there's a ton out there. Yeah. Now, the overall cost of apparently voluntary employee turnover was $1 trillion wow. in 2022. In fact, an industry estimate, um, an industry expert estimates that it costs up to 1.5 to 2x to sort of replace that in you know, a position. So based on insights from Predictive Insights, um, I, was, I was doing some reading. I think the cost of a single resignation is approximately $11,372. Approximately. Yeah, approximately. <laughs> $11,372. Well, well, fairly precise. But if you, if you apply that math yeah. to the banking industry, yeah. or the, the banking and finance industry, and say 6 million people, 20% turnover, that's in excess of $12 billion that's amazing. As just 12 billion US dollars, just as turnover costs. Yeah, that's incredible. That's just incredible. So, Mark, let's let's go to you now. On the when you, with your background in in call centers and and just operations management, you, you know, you've dealt with a lot of managers and directors, kind of dealing with that workforce challenges. But in attrition being one of them, and one of them that we that we. I just had a conversation about healthcare. You mentioned U.S. healthcare centers is the aging population, right? They're starting to retire as well. So there's a lot of reasons for an, a, attrition, Mark, but how do managers and directors prepare for it? Because you don't always know when it's coming and, and it may come in, in buckets or it may come in one or two individuals. So, so what's, what's your best practices there? Well, I got to say that attrition is a huge issue. Uh, it puts a huge strain on service delivery within an organization for both uh, the front line as well as the support staff that manage them. You know, for workforce teams, they struggle to update the agent work schedules and readjust skill sets in a timely manner. This on top of dealing with their regular day-to-day -day abundance of absenteeism adjustments and what have you, which significantly increases their workload and doesn't allow them to be proactive in uh, their, in other aspects of their responsibility. You know, one of the one of the big things looking at the team members, such as the agents, you've got this whole what I refer to as the domino effect of attrition. You know, as people start to leave, others question why are they leaving and what is wrong with the organization. And there's a whole host of institutional knowledge and experience that's lost. And 
Uh, it takes a long time to recover when you consider the fact that the average new hire learning curve is six months to a year, depending on the role and the complexity of the job. Um, it, it takes a long time to recover. And as Santosh mentioned, it's very expensive to, uh, to hire, uh, retrain, uh, a individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so the managers and directors are on the front line, but some of them are resigning and moving on too. But, uh, so let's, I'll, I'll throw this question to both of you. Maybe Mark, you can, you can, uh, start us off here, but are there behaviors that managers and directors can see in their staff? Are there, are, are, what are the things they're looking for that when they're experiencing turnover, are there, are there trends that they can kind of watch and follow or, and, and to, to get in a position of, of defense or, or pre prevent that? Yeah, I think there's a number of uh, key performance indicators, if you will, that they could and should be looking at. Uh, increases in absenteeism is uh, definitely uh, an indicator that there's an issue. Uh, it could be because of uh, high occupancy, that is, the agents are on the phone talking to to customers are doing their their work uh, for the large part of an hour, and you would think ordinarily that's the nature of their job. But uh, there's a lot of industry studies that suggest that anything more than 90% occupancy for any type of front or back office agent uh, is problematic and can lead to burnout. You know, if there's changes in service quality results, if there's a decrease in productivity, if there's changes in uh, scheduled adherence and conformance, these are all indicators that there's something wrong. And, you know, uh, more pragmatically, if you look at employee satisfaction and customer satisfaction scores, any decrease in those or any changes in those uh, can definitely be an indicator of, of what's to come. Uh, to my way of thinking, EX is equal to CX. That is, any changes in employee satisfaction can generally uh, lead to uh, changes in customer satisfaction as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Santosh? Anything you want to <clears> add there? Well, you know, for my for my early days working in the BPO industry, the one thing that we miserably failed at was preempting attrition, um, and it was always way off the mark. Now, looking back, I think it's because we so much focused on the formula, on getting the math right, that we completely chose to ignore the symptoms that we were pretty much seeing in people day in and day out. Yeah. So, and you know, much later we started calling them early warning signals and we'd have so many projects to actually, I don't know, there were Six Sigma projects to, yeah. <clears throat> uh, to control attrition or to preempt attrition. Now, in my opinion, I think what, and I'll add to what Mark just said, um, in my opinion, I think an operation leader um, needs to use a combination of two things. So visible behavioral changes and then combine that with what he's probably seeing on data. So a combination of that is, so visible, so highly engaged employees are 75% less likely to quit. Now, how could you come with that is I think visible signs of low engagement can be lesser involvement in company activities. To Mark's point, higher absenteeism, you know, lesser showing up lesser for training and coaching opportunities. You could also look at, I mean, we've got a workforce intelligence software. One of the things that it, it does, it looks for staggered work days in people's, you know, people's working patterns. Now that could indicate uh, employee burnout. Yeah. Now within the healthcare industry of about, I, I think a survey was done of about thousand healthcare professional, 28% said 
I'm quitting because of burnout. Mm. Look at the finance and the insurance industry. In in I think in twenty in in uh, in previously um, in 2021 they had the highest market share of engaged employees. I think 94 percent. Mm. That number dropped by eight percent more recently. Mm. So look for look for visible behavior changes. Once you've seen that, before you take action, use a tool. I mean, you've got you've got you've got applications within your business that you use. So look for to Mark's point, schedule adherence changes. Look for vary rather than drop in productivity. Look for varying productivity levels. You know, yeah. peaks and troughs yeah. signify. Um, uh, you know, s- signify that person is probably not focused. It could be it could be reflective of work type too. Um, Higher errors, drop in quality yeah. scores, um, longer turnaround times or missing deadlines could yeah. all, digital distraction, you know, yeah. uh, could all be signs of employee burnout. But just don't go by that. Look for behavioral changes, use them in combination. Yeah. Um, I, I'll just throw out a statistic out there, just this is to sort of support Mark's, Mark's conversation. Apparently within new employees, I think one third of new employees quit within six months. Hmm. Wow. So you've got to look after those new employees. Yeah. I mean, you've spent a lot of money bringing them on board. Yeah. Uh, you probably invested in some early days of training, but look after those those yeah. employees. That's a good good advice. So, so Mark, let's talk. We've talked about the kind of the bad end of it, of attrition and and uh, the impact it has on organizations, cost wise, training wise, stress wise, etc. But Mark, what would you say? Uh, let's get proactive here. So, what can managers do uh, and proactively do to limit attrition? Well, I think there's several things that they can do. And Santos talked about being preemptive and uh, the fact that, uh, you know, a good 30% or more employees quit within six months of taking their job. So that really, to me, points to uh, the whole hiring process. And isn't there an opportunity to hire better, hire for fit and mindset, not just for skills? It's a really tight labor market and it's getting increasingly difficult to get the right people with the right skill sets. Uh, and in some locations where you have uh, a number of uh, people intensive jobs, uh, such as contact centers, it becomes uh, a fierce battle to get the, the right resources. Um, so when we talk about hire and fit, we're talking about being uh, customer centric, the ability to handle stress, work as a team. And it's incumbent on management to also understand the different needs of different demographics uh, of who they're hiring, the baby boomers versus the millennials, right? Um, uh, there's a strong desire for, and, and necessarily so for work-life balance uh, for perhaps part-time and flexible shifts as opposed to fixed full-time shifts. Uh, certainly there's a desire for work from home and what have you. So these are the types of things that organizations need to think about. Yeah. As well, um, you know, being proactive means thinking of that, not ignoring that attrition is going to happen and taking the philosophy of hiring ahead of attrition, for example. So it doesn't solve the problem of attrition, but at least it allows you to limit the impact that uh, attrition would have on service delivery if you are in fact hiring uh, in advance and training people up such that uh, they're ready to take the place of employees who are exiting. Yeah, very good, very good. Thank you for that, Mark. Uh, Santosh, recently you told me about a customer that um, 
and and the end result is what caught my attention, but the the path to there was interesting. You said that they're using transparency mm -hmm. as kind of the mechanism to lower attrition. So could you share a little more about that? Yep, and it's a it's actually a it's it's actually a very good story. Um, uh, and it goes back to the industries I just made reference to. So and not just transparency. I think I think it's also about I mean employee engagement, well-being, transparency, at the end of the day, it's got to have its impact on business outcomes. So it's a combination of many things that deliver the right result. Um, it's also a great example of, you know, on, on, on your previous question, Michael, I spoke about the combination of visible employee, so listening to the employee, yep. combining that with, um, you know, visible behavior changes and then looking at a tool. So it's another great story. So this is, um, so one of our senior leaders works in the in the healthcare industry he believes firmly that deploying work iq which is our workforce intelligence tool um, essentially helped him and his leaders first listen to their employees second take cognizance of it look at the data and then yeah. by uh, and then have the right conversations with people essentially they were all looking at the same metrics and i think looking at the same metrics looking at the same tool meant that they were driving towards the transparency point. Now he's been a long-term user of WorkIQ and he believes that, uh, and he says this very proudly, that he's got the lowest attrition in the entire organization. I mean, that's a strong statement, yeah. but it's also a statement I, that, that I think he stands by. Um, and that comes from the fact that the tool that they deployed is being used commonly across the board. So firstly, there was a standardization of language. Yes. As in, when I say language, I mean, when you're talking metrics, when you're talking yeah. about, you know, where have I spent my time, which application, have I logged out early, have I logged out late? They're all looking and singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah. That drives confidence because, you know, I, I, I don't have to be worried that when I'm going for my monthly one-on-one, -on -one, that there's going to be a new set of metrics. No, right. it's the same metrics I know and I work with day on, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Now, so apart from the successes within his area, now this is the story. Um, they have a complaints process within their resolutions team. Like any other complaints process, it's demanding. Yep. It's high pressure. There could be penalties. There could be losses. But it also requires a special skill set. Yep. That drives, that essentially means the people who are going to come in are going to come in at a certain price. So they are more expensive than normal stuff. Right. Right. And they notice that because of that environment out there, the highest that there was significant attrition, especially in the first six months. So they were, they were ramping up people training them, getting them up to speed, but in less than six months, you know, there were people leaving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he suggested to this business leader to deploy work IQ and they did. And immediately there was a marked change. There was a feeling of empowerment because everyone was looking at the same metrics. They were looking at the same measurements, but then they were then using that, those metrics and measurements within their day-to-day -day conversations. Yeah. But team leaders got also more sensitive to the fact that because it's a high pressure environment, they were keeping their eyes open for people who were logging in late, working excess hours, but then going back and saying, why, why do you have to do that? Is there a way we can work around this? Do I need to take something off your plate? But they were all, you know, essentially talking and in due course of time, better conversations, well, transparency yeah. of data led to better conversations, better conversations led to better outcomes, better outcomes meant people were felt they just felt that they were being looked after. Yeah. So big tick in the box for employee well-being and engagement, but it's driven from the fact of using, you know, you, uh, uh, from better conversations coming from right metrics yeah. um, and sort of preempting behaviors yeah. um, and then going back and having those good conversations with people. So it's a great story. Yeah, it's a great story. And and Mark, to, to turn it back to you, I mean, so 
that that's a story about the the evolution of how they drove culture, same language. There, this is something that you've played out over many many customers, I think. And you plan for you do a planning software that you you also offer your customers in the in the call centers or the front office. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, how companies can take charge where they where the, comp- the employees don't feel that much stress because they feel like the organization's in control? So I think it's really important for organizations to take uh, the well-being of their employees seriously. Um, they do things or should be doing things like having skills development programs giving them opportunities to develop new skills and technologies, keep the job interesting and challenging. And I think one of the challenges that we face in the front office in particular, and likely in the back office, is the whole notion of micromanagement. The, there's so much data available that, um, you know, it can seem uh, that that employees are being micromanaged when in fact it, it should be positioned as, you know, the ability or the, the, the opportunity to see how you're performing and where the opportunities to improve lie. Uh, the other area would be around career development planning and opportunities for, for, for promotion, career progression opportunities. There's no question that, you know, the front office and back office are often seen as stepping stone roles and it should be uh, positioned in a way that um, the, the, the contact center is a great opportunity to develop some really good customer, uh, customer oriented skills, consultative skills, communication skills, and what have you that will serve them well for other responsibilities within the organization. Yeah, yeah. And that, that helped some feel, you know, since you mentioned something about the common metrics, I think you said, or mm-hmm. I think, I think that's an interesting thing for all of us. And, and, and I think Martin kind of implied that as well. If you know what you're signing up for, then you can go deliver comfortably. Right. But do you have anything else to add to what Mark? Yeah. Said? I mean, <clears throat> to add to what Mark, I've always, I think we're all amazed. There's a, there's, I call this a corporate paradox. You know, we spend so much of money in hiring and recruitment. Yeah. Uh, and spend, and I wonder if you spend half as much on retaining people, I think we'll do a much better job. Um, and and I I firmly believe that retention and commitment, which essentially will then reduce attrition, has got to do a lot with company culture. Um, and you know, open conversations, continuous feedback, employee recognition, Mark's point of mobility, which is you know I've been doing this for X amount of time. Can I progress? Can I try something else? Uh, I think they all just make workplace more human. And because you make it more human, there's an emotional connection to the work I do, yeah. to my team, to my organization. And that and that's what we all, I mean, we are, yeah. people are about emotions. We've got to build that emotional connect. There's many ways you can do it. And the companies that do it really well, strengthen employees ties along with the organization. I mean, I also, I'll go back to the same thing again. I think transparency drives trust. So always be transparent with employees. You, you Keep your communications going. We are going to be, we, we hear so many organizations restarting, um, you know, all these initiatives of automation and process excellence that they paused uh, or slowed down. Keep, you know, if you're adopting a new tool, a new change, a new transformation, Keep the person in the center of that change. Keep the employee and change becomes so much more easy. Tools, invest in tools that are 
that are simple that you know drive decision making more better yeah. um uh, that make people feel empowered if, if people feel empowered then you know they understand the metrics keep the metrics simple yeah. keep let there be like three or four of them that sort of speak to what a person is doing on a day to day basis and i'm a big fan of um uh, engagement coaching and feedback as long as that's a continuous process yeah and you're using good data to support that um your conversations will be healthy now um i think uh, about 35% of the global workforce say that they really feel engaged that's a very yeah. low number with yeah, all awesome. the great things that we're doing coaching means people are being heard for cared for looked after yeah uh, development and mobility people want to be developed they're saying give me more skills yeah. so invest in cross training initiatives tell them what's the art of the possible invest not just in a primary skill give people a secondary skill give them a tertiary skill and then i think um a very important point is inclusion michael um which has a direct correlation now it's i think over three quarters of the staff say i mean they all say they want an inclusive work environment so coaching can help every person including those from sort of un, un, underrepresented groups yeah. feel safe feel empowered feel included yeah. and that changes the perspective of how you work in an organization and i think um essentially builds to the fact that strong emotional ties to a team yep to an organization will essentially help you bring down your attrition levels. Yeah, yeah, I think there's two things about both what Mark said and what you just said sent us that that hit me is one is that yeah, we're not most of us aren't driven by just pick up your lunch pail and go to work. It, we want to contribute. We want to feel like we're doing we're making a difference whatever that difference may be, even if it's making somebody next to you happier, right? Making them smile or what have you. And then secondly, you both mentioned kind of training things and and I can't count the number because I've been in the software business for too long, maybe 30 30 something years. How many times we get sent to a training and then there's nobody reinforcing it when we get back into the workplace mm -hmm. and so and so that engagement that you both mentioned is is absolutely valuable so mark as we as we almost wrap up here i'm just wondering do you have any other risk rewards that you would tell uh executives from from some of your customers or or future customers risk rewards oh goodness um i'm thrown <laughs> Okay, we'll start with Santosh and get back to you then. Sorry. Um well, so I I think in terms of uh, in terms of risks um we're going through a I don't I mean let me let me put it this way. I think we all use the word hybrid. Yeah. Uh, and hybrid work. For me and it's a personal opinion, you can hold me to it Michael. I think the use of the word hybrid is I still don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. In an organization. So, we're still going through those elements of how are we going to make it work do we want our people back in the office um i mean you know in in those industry statistics there's one thing there's a big group of people who've actually left the workforce forever they're never going to come back um the millennials have a completely different way of looking at work yeah right you can make mandates you got to be very very careful when you do that people are no more excited by free pizza on a monday afternoon right right there needs to be a sense of purpose yeah. so when you come up with your plan yeah to support whatever this new world is going to look like let's call it for now hybrid keep the person and keep you know ask people ask yeah. people what they want to do yeah. so for me that is because i'm still looking for good proofs of what hybrid really is yeah. and i think as organizations as businesses we run one to ourselves yeah you've got to be sensitive to that fact so that for me is the biggest risk and i think the risk is because 
We've never been through a pandemic. We've never come out of one after so many years. Yeah. And we're still trying. And I, when I say trying, I think we're throwing darts in the dark. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to be careful. Yeah. And I think a, best, a, a good way to get out of that risk is to involve people. Yeah. Is to invest in tools, you know, irrespective of where they are. You know, there's, 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 there's better accountability in terms of the, um, well, invest in tools. Of course, you got to invest in training and coaching and stuff. Yeah. That for me is a risk. I think reward is, a, is, a, is, is, I'll summarize with one line. No person comes to work to do a bad job. Yeah. We've got to believe and trust that our people are here to do an outstanding job. Mark's point about EX equals CX will be relevant irrespective of the type of generation. Yeah. You, you were, you know, when I say generation, I mean the workforce generation. Yeah. So we've got to accept that fact. And that is rewarding in itself yeah. to look at my workforce and go, wow, you guys are here to make a big difference and, yeah. and, and make this business a great one. So that's my risk and reward story. That's awesome. That's awesome. And Mark, uh, coming back to you, anything you want to add to that or, or mention in yourself? And then, and then I also have a follow on question to that is if somebody wanted to pick up a conversation with you, where would they find you? So let, let me just uh, answer the, the first question. And that is, you know, I wrote an article uh, with a colleague of mine not too long ago about the hard and hidden costs of uh, agent attrition. And we found that it was around $25,000 over and above a salary uh, in cost to hire uh, an employee. So about one and a half times an agent's salary to onboard somebody new only to have them a, a trip not too long after, which is, is just phenomenal when you think about the, yeah. the implications of that. And so the benefit of being proactive and preemptive in your attrition approach uh, just makes good business sense. And to Santosh's point, if you were to focus half as much on retaining employees as you spend uh, essentially on uh, post-attrition hiring, then uh, I think we would all be in a much better position uh, from an employee perspective, uh, a client perspective, from a profitability perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and so th to that point, where, where can somebody pick up a conversation with you, Mark, and, and maybe even find that paper that you mentioned? Uh, sure. By all means, connect with me on LinkedIn uh, at Mark Alpern, or you can call me at 647-283-7373. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mark, so much. Um, and you're not, you don't want to mention Scenario? Well, I'd love to mention Scenario. Yeah, please do. <laughs> please do. Yes. So uh, I am the co-founder of Scenario. Scenario is a, a SaaS-based strategic capacity planning application, which I designed to help contact center management develop resource plans and operating budgets for front office agents and support staff. It really is a decision-making tool that uh, is starting to take the, the market by storm. And it's a complement to other good products on the market, uh, such as ActiveOps. Excellent, thank you. Well, very good. It's great to see you today. Santosh, any, uh, how would somebody pick up and find you? Come to ActiveOps, you'll find me here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I'll, um, so, um, uh, easiest way to get in touch with me is, um, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and if you wanted to send me an email, then my email ID is santosh.joy at activeops.com. And then if those fail, just call United Airlines. It sounds like you're somewhere between, between cities. Well, yeah, a, a lounge, <laughs> a plane. Yeah. Or, yeah. A, or a hotel. Well, or, or a customer site. There so you go. Anyway. 
Excellent. Well, thank you both, Santosh and Mark. Thank, thanks so much. Very insightful, very important topic. And, and it's something that's in the news, but it, more importantly, it's on employees' minds. And, and so consequently, our managers and directors need to help uh, in getting, getting their you know, employees taken care of in a way that is constructive for the, for the company. So thank you all for joining us on AO on Air. Very, very happy to talk about this topic and more. If you want to catch up with us on activeops.com, you can find a resource hub and you can connect with us and we'll, we'll pick up the conversation with you directly. You can also find more AO on Air episodes on our YouTube channel called AOTV, or you can find them on your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much. Have a great day.